yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. I don't need to be chicken. Can you Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and we must always strive for peace, but also justice. Peace without justice is flawed, hollow at its core. It is peace provided by tyranny. <laughs> and my name's Jamie, and look, have I made a few bad decisions? Sure. Do I feel about it? Sometimes. Do I like credits? Yeah. So much stuff you can buy with credits. All right. Um, I'm just going to go get Light of the Jedi and keep reading. <laughs> Um, so your quote, my quote was from the High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and your quote was from Kenobi. Kenobi, yes. <laughs> from uh, uh, Camille Nancioni's character, the, the, the con man Jedi. Do we know the name of that character yet? Yes. Let's just go ahead and say it. It's, I, um, I, I had it, uh, it's Haja Estri. Haja Estri. So, so today, just so everyone knows because we post a couple weeks after we record, if we're lucky. Um, today is the debut of Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. We saw the first two episodes today, and so we're very excited about that. Um, but the consequence is, is, like, this is how time works, but we have three episodes we need to post that you haven't heard yet um, that we talk about before Kenobi comes out. They're but, great. Uh, they're great episodes. Everybody says they're great. Everybody says they're great, and you've already heard them because you're listening to this one, and that's how time works. Mm -hmm. um, uh, before we get into it, uh, today we're still on our Clone Wars walk. Um, today we're reviewing Shadow of Malevolence, which is Season 1, Episode 3. This is the ninth um, episode that we've released reviewing Clone Wars. Um, before we get to that, um, well, this will be a fun one. Did you do any Star Wars this week? Oh uh, yeah, I well I finished up the the um, book, but I think I mentioned that I already did that last week, and I just watched the Kenobi, uh, the first two episodes of twice today, um, and then yeah, I think that's it. Just been just like counting down the days. Yeah, I I went, I. I've not had a lot of free time lately, but I went pretty hard into Kenobi comics um, leading in. I didn't quite finish the Kenobi book, Brotherhood, but I'm very close and can finish it once I get a free hour. But but I'll probably – I have to take the kids to soccer tomorrow morning, so I'll probably just sit there in a folding chair and finish it up while they're playing soccer soccer games. Um, but I'm I'm very close on it. I think I got the gist, um, unless there's a big thing that happens in the last 30 minutes, uh, which there probably is. No spoilers. But I, I went hard into the Kenobi comics, and so I read um, the Journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then the Heroes of the Republic, the Kenobi section, and then I reread Anakin and Obi-Wan, the comic from several years ago where Anakin wants to quit the Jedi Order, and Obi-Wan sort of talks him out of it and says that he, too, wanted to quit. Um, it's a very good one. It's very artistically unique. I'll put it that way, especially for way back then. I want to say it was like in the first 10 miniseries released. It was a pretty old one. Mm -hmm. it might, it might be from like, like six or seven years ago at this point. Um, but it's a good one. 
Um, and then I did get the first issue of the new Kenobi comic that I sent you a photo of that I'm hoping is a tie-in to the series because they released them at the same time. I just haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. Um, and then I watched Kenobi. Um, the first episode twice and the second episode once, but I've only watched the first episode uninterrupted once because I was watching it in chunks today. Um, but uh, so far, I think it's great. Yeah. What would, um, without sidetracking us too much, what was your biggest shock? They, they just kind of came out of the blue for you. Huh. The biggest shock. So the first the first thing that was pleasantly surprising to me that took the show in a completely different direction than I was expecting was going to Alderaan. Um, I think we had speculated previously that the thing that would get him off planet could be something to do with Leia, but I wasn't expecting it because I was blissfully unaware that there was going to be any that there was going to be a little girl Leia in it, and I know that I found her precociousness very adorable and very Leia-like, um, and I think you're slowly coming around to that. But um, I really liked that, and then the the thing that really like got me in the core um, was Kenobi's anxiety attack when Reva tells him that um, Anakin is alive oh, and, yeah, has, yeah. and has been looking for him. And he appears to be having like a panic attack when he learns that. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is stuff we've talked about, right? We've talked about PTSD, um, Obi-Wan and how he's, how he's going to handle this. And I told you that I'm getting big, the Last Jedi vibes off of him, um, Luke and the Last Jedi vibes off of Obi Wan, because Obi Wan's a f- depressed and a failure, um, and doesn't want to engage anymore. I I really I'm really into it. What were your biggest shocks? I guess uh, like you, like when I realized that um, it it only took a little bit before I realized that. Oh, this is Leia. They showed their, uh, they showed like these um, servants or ladies in waiting or whatever. I guess you would call them dressing a uh, a young female. And you're, and I just realized, oh my God, Leia, this is so awesome. This is great. Um, that that kind of took me for a loop. Uh, th- sorry, threw me for a loop. And then the I didn't figure it out till the second episode, but the kidnapper is flee from the red hot chili peppers because like that guy looks familiar, but I can't place him. I'm curious if he's going to get the Gina prize. The what? Get the Gina, the Gina prize. Um, like a, sort of fish out of water actor who ends up saying something terrible gets fired from Disney. <laughs> well, <laughs> well was not so bad. <laughs> well, you would know. Um, <laughs> Dancing around your underwear. Yeah. Humiliating. <laughs> yeah. Just got a wearing, wearing pants just made out of like, like uh, stuffed Chewbacca's. Yeah. Uh, or her Ewoks, um, yeah, that was really cool. But I think the thing that kind of got me, that was kind of a gut punch, was the very beginning. 
so like the very beginning they they kind of showed kind of showed everything that happened in the prequels just not everything but up to like with obi-wan and anakin i really appreciated that by the way how like the recap was like a two-minute summary of like episodes one through three i really appreciated that because you see these uh, i didn't mean i'm sorry i interrupted you but i i watch like like mashups clips on youtube sometimes people like doing that sort of thing and to see it like done by them by disney by lucasfilm is just really fun anyway sorry good yeah and just um the the beginning sequence of just showing the temple and just some jedi is teaching uh, younglings what looks kind of like a tai chi or something like that and then all of a sudden clone troopers come in and she has to defend the the younglings and so they're just the whole like order 66 um thing where they're just running through the uh, the jedi temple like cutting down uh clone troopers and but eventually like like whoever that jedi was and like the other jedis like they just succumbed because there's too many of them and then the the kids are left alone they're like what do we do and like well, we run and that that was just that was uh, that got a little got a little emotion uh, out of me because I was just like oh man because like you only you only the you, the only times you really see Order sixty six like the temple and I'm probably you see it all you see it a lot but in Revenge of the Sith um, like I think the the things that like are, are the most like disturbing is just when like the the uh, the younglings are hiding out in like the council chambers, and then the king comes in and they're like, Master Skywalker, what do we do? And then he turns his lightsaber on, and then you're like, Well, tch, man, he just killed kids. Uh, then the Mandalorian, where you just watch like the Jedi try to like protect Grogu, but there's just too many clones, and they all get cut down, and you just kind of see it through Grogu's eyes. And then, uh, then like this. So those three things just very is very hard to watch. Yeah, I I was not expecting to see an Order sixty six scene in this show, but I think I'm just going to assume that they're going to put one in every show from now on. Because um, it's we revisit Order sixty six a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's. It's very emotive, I guess. It's very easy to understand. Like this is like a big transition point, and it's and they can use it to demarcate like the before and after. It just it's a lot to to keep going back. Like Bad Batch did it, um, Mandalorian did it, this did it, um, Fallen Order did it. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing it because. It's effective, um, but yeah, I was not expecting it, and I just, I was so thrilled to see the inside of the temple and and see like look like High Republic art on the wall, like like those flowery like Jedi symbols, and and just that architecture again, and yeah, so like those those kids running away are probably. And, like some of the Jedi that are still roaming the planet. Yeah, and it's, the galaxy. yeah, and it's just very, it's it, it 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 hits hard right now because of the time that it came out, 
um, on just a few days ago, uh, a madman went in, into a Texas school and killed too many children. And so just seeing like this sort of thing happen, I mean, we, we know what order, happens in Order 66, but kind of seeing it like uh, just coupled with the emotions of what happened, it's just really, it just hits that much harder. Right. Um, so we're, we're both really looking forward to sort of the next four weeks of episodes. Um, and all of that. Is there any other Star Wars things you want to talk about? Uh, no, no. I think uh, we should probably get to uh, the uh, Clone Wars or else we're never going to get to it. All right. So this week, like I said, we're going to cover Shadow of Malevolence, which is season one, episode three of the Clone Wars. Its original air date was October 10th, 2008. Um, and I haven't done this much for this season, but I do want to highlight the writer of this episode before we get into it. Um, it's written by a man named Stephen Melching. And he has the writing credit for this. Um, he's written a ton of Star Wars. He wrote Clone Wars, Rebels, and even three episodes of Resistance. And so he's still around. Um, but he started his writing career writing for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he did a ton of those. He did three separate series of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Almost, It's almost exclusively his writing credits back then. But he goes on to write for Batman, X-Men, the cartoon series, He-Man. There's a Mummy TV series based on the Brendan Fraser um, movie, and he wrote for that. But he broke into Star Wars way back when by writing a fan film called Troops, which was an early, early, early fan film about a group of stormtroopers on Tatooine that was a spoof of the 1990s show Cops. <laughs> Have you seen this? I want to say I have, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. Yeah, 30 years ago, this was high Star Wars um, content. Um, it is very funny and very well made. I mean, it's made like a camcorder, right? But it's it's about the quality of cops, the TV show, and it is very funny. Um, you can still find it, um, but back in the day, in like the late '90s, this is pre prequels, by the way. Um, this thing was everywhere in Star Wars culture. And it eventually did win Best Fan Film at a Star Wars celebration in 2002. Um, so if you if you care and want to see some history of Star Wars fandom, you can go watch this, I don't know, 25-year-old film um, called Troops on YouTube. And if you're even funnier if you're familiar with cops. <laughs> um, so this is... This is a continuation of the previous episode where Anakin, Plo Koon, and Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan are all fighting um, Grievous in that Ion Cannon ship, the Malevolence. Um, we get a bunch of clone names in this episode, and we said we're going to call out clone names when we see them. So there's a whole squadron of fighters just called Shadow Squadron, and there's 12 of them. 
and a bunch of them get named. Um, but the ones that aren't named or aren't in Shadow Squadron that are named are Sinker, Broadside, Boost, Wolf, and Tag. Inside Shadow Squadron, there's Matchstick, Shadow 2, um, um, Contrail, Shadow 11, Flyby, Shadow 6, and then I think I skipped Wolf. Don't you mean Chemtrail? Chemtrail, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Mind Control, Clouds. What is the... I don't even know that. I don't even know that fucking conspiracy theory. It's probably like weather modification or some shit. I, th- I, I, th- I think it's behavior control. Of course it is. All right. Yeah, it makes us all wear masks in public. All right. So with that out of the way, we can get into the review. Um, the Jedi fortune cookie moral at the front of the episode is easy as the path to wisdom for those not blinded by ego. And we can talk about whether or not that is applicable to this episode um, at the end of the summary. Spoiler alert. I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Wow. All right. Impressive. So, uh, plot summary. We are following up with the malevolence. Um, The Republic is looking to plan a counterattack. Um, Anakin starts off by briefing Shadow Squadron with Wolf Ularen, Plo Koon, and Ahsoka. Anakin says a squad of bombers will target the bridge of the ship, which is sort of the structure that sits up on top of it. It's like on a, if you think about like the body of the ship being like a shark, the bridge is like at the tip of the tail of the shark. Um, the bombers are small enough to avoid the discharge from the ion weapon. We will put that theory to the test in this episode and their goal is to destroy the bridge kill grievous and end the war this is anakin's plan um so shoot for the moon mm-hmm. plo Koon plays the part of skeptic in this episode he asks anakin if they're up for the task anakin asks match stick who is one of the clones and there's a lot of jostling and bravado talking about how great they are now they've never failed, um, which is not an indicator of future performance necessarily, <laughs> um, but it's good to see. Anakin reassures them that they won't fail. Plo Koon admires his competence and how he inspires his troops. There's a lot of this in the, this episode. Um, we cut to the malevolence, and it's destroying a small fleet of ships. Um, there's Jedi cruisers being blown up, and battle droids report that the last transport ship is fleeing, this is a new design for a transport ship um, that's getting away. We'll get to that in a second. Grievous orders the weapon to discharge. Um, it fires the transport. On the transport, the clones are reporting that the malevolence is moving into attack position, but the transport does not make it into hyperspace before the ion weapon knocks them out. The transport is destroyed. Um, or is being shot at, and the battle droid says, this is a lot more fun when they don't shoot back. The (laughs) other one it's talking to says, he still can't seem to hit anything, and Grievous knocks its block off. And then another droid immediately, without missing a beat, sits down in the chair. I I like that detail. Just Grievous destroys the droid, and just immediately another one's just right there, takes his place, does exactly what it was doing. 
Yeah, you asked, I don't know if it made it into the recording, but you asked last week if that, if that was the episode where Dooku says, be careful, those are expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that line is here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun, it's a funny moment. Like it's, it's the right kind of comedy for these episodes. Um, and it's, it really establishes Grievous as short temper and sort of like their mindless automaton, like, Oh, my colleague was just murdered. Let me sit exactly where he was sitting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take his place. It's my turn to be murdered. All right. So Dooku gives them their new target, a medical facility called, um, Kadili Shoals, which is treating 50,000 injured clones. We learn later that the transport ship that they just destroyed was actually a medical transport ship. And so there should have been like a big red cross on the side. <laughs> um, while they're standing there, um, four escape pods are launched from the disabled transport and Grievous orders them targeted. He has to maintain his reputation of killing everything. Right. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like this scene. It really shows. This is the second or third time. Oh, this is the third time we've seen escape pods launched in the series already. We saw Yoda launch to go talk with the Toydarian King. We saw Plo Koon in escape pods in the last episode, and they're doing it again here. I like that consistency. Yeah, you're you're right. I never yeah. thought about that. Um, they're used a lot. We're going to see a lot more escape pods, too. Um, Dooku gives them their next target. I already did that part. Back with Anakin and Ahsoka. Ahsoka asks which ship is hers as they're gearing up. Anakin tells her that she's with him as his gunner. Um, they argue a little bit. Ahsoka thinks that she doesn't that Anakin doesn't trust her piloting skills. But while they're arguing, Yularen tells him that Grievous has attacked a medical supply ship near the Rendelia system. Um, do you remember the first episode we ever recorded of Webcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, you went on a little bit of a tangent about how many people se- are seated at a Y-Wing. Yes. Um, and you actually went to research it while I was doing the plot summary of the holiday special. Um, and you'd concluded that there was one seat. We're going to get into the design of these a little bit because they're, there's some reasons but do you have any opinion about the design as we see them right now of these y-wings they seem like they're a little bit more um they're a variant of the one we we see in the original trilogy and it's very possible too that i'm just like looking online seeing some of the pictures that this is what they actually are supposed to look like um with um because um the, the other ones are just kind of like bare bones. Um, it's yeah. Kind of, it, it's kind of like, uh, have you ever seen the, do you see the second Renaissance in the Animatrix? Yeah. The, um, I've seen the Animatrix. Is it... it was the um, it was the one that kind of talks about the war with uh, humans against the machines. Where they show the sky being blacked out? Yeah. Yeah. So there are like, at a certain point you see like um, guys in like big mech suits. Like uh, fighting, and then um, and and the mech suits they're covered in armor, but later in um, Matrix um, Reloaded and Revolutions you see those same ones, but they've stripped off all the armor, all the the plating, so it's just the and so it's just kind of like the the exoskeleton, 
So it seems like the B the um the B wings are kind of like that. The ones that we're used to, they've just stripped them Why down. Wings? What did I say? B wings? You said oh. B wings. Oh, okay, sorry. It seems like they just stripped them down to almost nothing. Um, got rid. They've got rid of everything that they that they don't need. All right, let's put a pin in that for now because we're going to talk about that a little bit later because there's a ton of continuity with Y wings that I've I've been researching. Um, so I wanted I wanted to get you in now, telling me what you thought before we get to the bottom of the notes. Um, okay. Fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. Is there, no, is no, there... no. It's it's okay. I was just as we were talking, I was looking, and it seems like there is actually a bunch of different variants. Oh, Y wings. Yeah, but I still stand by the uh, fact that they um, that they look very stripped down. They don't have all the uh, the, the 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 fancy components. Um, right. They look like a car that just just has most like is missing a lot of the fenders. That's a good way to think about it. It's got like it's missing the doors or like the trunk mm-hmm. um, lid or like the fenders and like the hubcaps and things. All right, so uh, Anakin puts together that the Rendelia system is near the clone medical station um, near Naboo. Plo Koon and Yularen and Anakin do some tactical planning, and Anakin suggests that they take a they take a bomber squad through a shortcut to beat Grievous to the base. Plo Koon is once again the pragmatic one and was worried that if they lose any ships on the way, their objectives will not be met. And Anakin says for no reason that they won't lose anything on the way. And Plo Koon, not believing him or wanting to play along, um, says that he's coming with them to fly as an escort in his Jedi fighter. And Ahsoka has anticipated this and his fighter is already ready. I really love that Plo Koon comes along in a Jedi starfighter and is not just in a Y-wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I think having this mixed squad makes a lot of sense. Um, so they decide to warn the medical base ahead of time, and so they call into the medical base and the Kaminoan that's there, which actually when I just wrote her as the Kaminoan, but I later realized it's Nala Say, um, uh, is saying that they can't evacuate. There's just too many people, and they don't have any ships. And so Obi-Wan contacts Naboo for relief, and he also reports that they're all headed her way, or their way. Back at the fleet, the Y-Wing fighters launch with uh, Plo Koon's um, Jedi Starfighter. Um, Obi-Wan says they will meet them at the station. Shadow Squadron does their call-in. Ahsoka gets the the cut-the-chatter line from A New Hope. Um, and the Shadow Squadron with Plo Koon jump into hyperspace. Um, inside hyperspace, we see the Malevolence is slowly getting in there, but they're having to go around this nebula, and this is the shortcut Anakin was talking about, because Anakin leads his fighters into the nebula. The clones are conf- confident that they can navigate this nebula, but once again, Plo Koon is the wet blanket, um, but they head into the nebula no matter what. There's a lot of talking about whether or not what they're doing is dangerous while they're doing it. <laughs> it's it's a very Star Wars-y dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's there's a part coming up I just wanted to talk about, but I'll just continue, please. Okay. So back on the medical station, um, evacuation craft are docking, but the evacuation is slow. 
the clones and Nala say try to work through how and who to move um, people into the ships. There's a there's a piece of dialogue here where um, one of the clones says everybody in back to tanks can't be moved at all, and Nala say says that she knows. And I want to stop here for a second. Um, did you notice when you're watching? that through the window in Nala Say's office, behind her is just a field of back-to-tanks with clones in it. I don't think I did, no. So I put, at the end of the notes, I put the concept art for that scene um, down there. Do you see the concept art? Oh, yeah. And so if you wa- if you go, and when I saw this, I was like, this is a wild image, because it's just rows and rows and rows. It's like something from The Matrix. Once again, we're talking about The Matrix. But it's just rows and rows and rows of back-to-tanks. And you see, like, human shapes floating in them, or submerged in them, I should say. Um, and then I was like, why like, why didn't they leave this in the, the show? Because it's so powerful. It's such a powerful image. And then I went back and watched. It's in the show, but I missed it. It's in the background. If, if you look over her shoulder, this entire field of tanks is in the window behind her. Um, and just blew me away that I had missed it the first the I watched this three times um, over the week and I and I've seen it probably three other three to five other times throughout my life since it's been released and and I've never noticed this field of back to tanks yeah that is that is wild that is I can understand why they wouldn't I mean I guess we're moving the plot along but yeah this it's kind of a powerful statement just like looking at all these guys were injured yeah injured enough where they have to basically put them in a medically induced coma right it Mm is it is i love this image like this really brings it home to me like what they're what the point of this facility is it's not just to like like set bones and things like this is a serious medical facility and they have fifty thousand troops there um that are being treated it is a wild operation yeah and this actually Something I, I guess I never really thought about is that you see clones dying so much that you don't see as much like the clones who have to go and get uh, healed from whatever um, whatever thing that happened to them because it just seems like they're so disposable they're just they're just kind of like okay we'll just get another clone um, but yeah that they actually would uh, have like they would obviously have a lot of like horrific injuries and um, they'd have to be treated, but I never really thought about it because they just seem so disposable, you know? I mean, this, the existence of this facility sort of challenges that, right? I mean, you could be super cynical and say they're just too expensive to let injuries um, make them obsolete or whatever. But like, there's a line that says their compassion for their soldiers is their weakness. Right. And, it comes on the heel of heel. That line comes on the heels of Grievous smashing that droid for no reason, <laughs> right? Um, and it, it really shows like the difference in in like the ethics of the groups. Uh, this is a fucking hospital for their soldiers, right? And you you have millions of them, and of course some of them would get hurt, right? Some of them would be shot and not die, and some of them would have like something back, like they drop a crate on their foot, you know. And they would just have to get 
a cast for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then and then you'd have like the clingers who would <laughs> dress up in women's clothing trying to get a section eight. Yeah. And then where's and that clone? <laughs> then uh, your your um, Hawkeye and uh, um, BJ uh, uh, Honeycut. I can't think of the other one, but they're all. Uh, I guess they'd be sexually harassing the uh, uh, say <laughs> and uh, harassing the Kaminoans. Yeah, and, and making a hooch. <laughs> like one one of the containers is just doesn't. It's not for Bacta. It's just gin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alan Alda. I don't know how. I don't know the average age of our listener, of the fifty of you that download this every week. Um, but if you're less than 40, you probably don't care about anything we just said. <laughs> so in the nebula, the scanners are useless. The clones and the Jedi are chattering to pass the time. Um, so we'll, once again, in these episodes, we're cutting through multiple scenes. We're cutting from sort of the medical base to the nebula with uh, Anakin and the fighters, and then on the malevolence. On the malevolence, they're approaching the station. Count Dooku says that they've received intelligence from Lord Sidious that Skywalker is leading a squadron of bombers to attack them. Grievous is as unafraid of Anakin as Anakin is of Grievous. It's just another one of those things like, why do you have to tell Palpatine everything? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'm sure the president. I was to say, I'm sure the president knows. Like, okay, like uh, Obama knew about like the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound, but like most like day to day like battle stuff, does the how much does the president really know? You know, unless it, having having worked at high levels of government for the past several years, the president knows exactly how much they want to know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if Palpatine was like, like, are you attacking that secret ship? And be like, oh yeah, we have a secret mission that's flying through Nebula, with like a bunch of badass bombers led by the best starfighter we have, Anakin Skywalker, and he's gonna really deal a blow to that, that Grievous. If he wanted to know, they would absolutely tell him. But if he just wanted to like tweet on his phone to manipulate the stock market so his friends can make some money, um, they would no one would bother telling them. Mm. Um, if if their politics are anything like our politics, um, you answer all questions. You don't volunteer information. Um, that's how it works. So he could know. But also this, this shows... One of the things that I do want to talk about eventually on one of these shows is does Sidious care who wins this war? And it's not something I we don't we have to drill down on now. But it's something you and I have talked about in the past. Like, what would have happened if Dooku could have basically won the war? Mm-hmm. Would that have mattered to Sidious? No, because it... right, he was he was playing both sides, so it didn't matter. He just wanted the chaos of it, right? Yeah. But let's think. Let's think about what a not for this episode, but for a future episode. Let's think about what a separatist victory would have looked like to Palpatine, and how he could have used that to his advantage. Does Dooku become Grand Poobah of the galaxy? What is what does that mean for Palpatine? Because Palpatine, the story of Palpatine is that he there was power behind him, right? If you want to like, I know Plagueis is not canon, canon. It is quasi canon, 
Um, but the Lucino novel, like Plagueis made him chancellor by and made him powerful through like all this like corrupt oligarchy machinations that thankfully are fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be real terrible if something like that was real. Yeah. Um but 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 like Plagueis was the power behind the power, right? Was yeah. that like Palpatine's plan B or I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah, it's um yeah, cuz I always went And another thing is like did Dooku know that Palpatine was Sidious? Mm, yeah, I think he did, but we're going to have a lot of Dooku episodes coming up. We can we can we can find let's look for evidence that he did. Okay. All right. Because he also well he also says in episode 2 that the Senate is under the under the sway of a Sith Lord. Yeah. I mean that could easily just mean that he's he's somewhere in the shadows kind True. of pulling the strings. And in um in episode 3 like he's shocked when he's told like when when he hears um Palpatine tell Anakin to kill him is that a shock that like uh, that he realizes that he's um that he's just an uh, another pawn or does he realize that oh shit this that's that's my master right there <laughs> you know ooh i hadn't thought of that that's a really really good cut let's see let's let's add that to our twilight list okay because i want to know when the twilight shows up and i want to know what the names of the clones are, and I want to know if, if there's any evidence that Dooku knows that Palpatine is Sidious. I think there is, but I, I can't think of any anything definitive off the top of my head. That makes sense. Okay. Back at the nebula, uh, Ahsoka asks Anakin how he knew about this route. He said he learned it. He learned about it from smugglers on Tatooine. He says it's called the Balmora Run. Uh, Plo Koon is immediately upset. Never one sec. Like, okay, he's been he's been off of Tatooine for over ten years now. Uh, I would, yeah, I would put it at probably twelve to fourteen years ish. It's been ten. It's ten years in between one and two, and this is a few years after two, right? So yeah, it's probably like twelve ish years. Yeah, so it's like it's like me. Um, I'll try to think of something not too offensive, but it's just like, but but it's like. Um, I'm leaving that thought process in, by the way. <laughs> okay, it's like me, like uh, like I haven't been in. I, I've been in a. I don't know anything about Ukraine since like two thousand, not two thousand, like since like the seventies, and like I come in like, oh, we'll cut through this Chernobyl area. It was nice when we got there. It's like he hasn't he hasn't like lived on Tatooine in like years. So does he assume that it'd just automatically still be good? Yeah, it's it's weird. It just it just feels like there's no reason for him to know this. But Plo Koon is immediately upset. And then Ahsoka as on cue starts saying, I'm picking up contacts on the sensors and she just keeps getting more and more and more. And Plo Koon starts begging that they turn around. Anakin refuses because they're they're having this tortured conversation where no one's telling the others what information they actually need to know. And then Plo Koon says the Balmora Run is the nesting ground of the giant Nebre Mantis. 
And all of a sudden, they're surrounded by these giant space creatures. And they have to take evasive action. Um, I thought this might be a good opportunity to talk about space creatures in Star Wars. What is your opinion about organisms that live in deep space? I don't mind it at all. It, it, there was that, time surprises in, me. that surprises me a little bit. There but, was a time uh, in my life where I was like, no, this is stupid. Out of all the f- things like in Star Wars, I don't find it terrible. That, like... That yeah, there could be I guess there could be a care not care sorry care um but uh, creatures that uh, can survive in a vacuum that their life cycle is much different than anything that we would know. It's just yeah. that they would they would have to be like unless they're like uh, hyperspace capable like the pergil, they would ha- it would have to be very like localized. Or else they just like fly from one place to another, and like their lifespans are like hundreds to thousands of, of years as they go from one solar system to another. I actually love the idea that a nebula, which is a sort of a like a concentrated area of stellar gases and particles, that things can live in there, and that that would be a habitat for something. It's hard to imagine an ecosystem in the vacuum of space it's not hard to imagine organisms transversing that space and having that be part of their migratory pattern you know what i mean it's like there are bats everywhere on the planet because bats fly from island to island they're not um, subsisting on the flight they're basically tolerating the flight to get to the other island and so it's not it wouldn't be strange to be like find a bat in the middle of the ocean um but that's not where it lives you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like it's like it's a transitory position it's going someplace but you you found it in the middle like there's a there's an episode of rebels that we're definitely going to get to where the alan rickman um robot um is stranded in in the vacuum of space and like these little moths fly up to him and he's like, he's like, oh look, space moths or whatever he says, and then the ghost crew like scoops him up up again, and the moths fly away. Like, I like the idea that space is full of life. God damn it! Come on, I, n- I never get to be out here. Ugh, you young people think space is like Saturday Night Live. You see it every day, so you dream of being in it. But it dreams of removing all the air from your body and making you float around it for eternity as a flash mummified corpse, which is also what space wants. So get back in the car. I'm not in danger. There's nothing out here. Literally everything is out here. And unlike everywhere else, I'm too busy to help you. Right, because you're always so helpful. <laughs> God damn it. What is that? Obviously, it's a space snake. There's snakes in space? There's literally everything in space, Gordy. Now get the f*** back in the car. The way that, like, you and I know, like, the desert is full of life, even though people look at it and they're like, oh, it's fucking dead. No. No, it's not. Yeah. It's just sort of buried. Yeah, the bottom of the ocean where it's... Precisely. Like, inhospitable is there's life. It's It's just different. I mean, all right. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, like, how many space creatures do we know about? Like, because there's the space slugs, there's those moths you just mentioned, there's these things. What are they called again? Nebrae. The Nebrae mantis. 
and then there's the the thing that was in um, the the uh, the Kessel Run. The Maw, yeah. Oh, was the creature the Maw, or was the Maw the like the the the, the black hole, the the uh, gravity well? No, the Maw the my, the Maw might have been a black hole, but but yeah, there were there were tentacle monsters in there, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then the did you already say the the thing that the Falcon landed in? Yeah, the space slug. The space slug, yeah. And then the Pergo. That's the other one. So it's not a huge selection of, of things, but there's niches, right? And yeah. that's what biology is all about. It's about niches. Yeah. By the way, pergos were mentioned by Bill Organa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just another one of those little things. It's just like, that's what I love about Star Wars. Yeah, connections. All right. So, so now they're surrounded by these uh, Nebre Mantis. Mantises, Manti, um, and they have to take evasive action. So one of the Y wings gets clipped, um, and this is Match Sticks Y wing and becomes important. It doesn't appear like he's damaged, or it appears like he's damaged a lot initially, but he pulls it together and sort of the fire goes out. Um, and then all Anakin says, "All wings line up on me," and he sort of like maps a path out of the nebula. They get out as quickly as possible, and the squad forms up um, and follows Anakin out, and eventually they're out of danger. We cut back to the medical station. It is 50% evacuated with the help from Naboo. The squad is out of the nebula, and it's approaching. They beat Grievous there. Um, Shadow 2, which is Matchstick, says that his ship is only scratched, and there's no permanent damage. So Plukun reemphasizes that with each loss, their mission becomes less likely to succeed. Apparently they didn't leave a lot of room for error here. And just then, the Malevolence drops out of hyperspace, and the squad engages the ship. On the Malevolence, the droids tell Grievous that several medical transports are trying to escape. Grievous orders that every ship be destroyed. They hit the first transports with the ion cannon, and then they start shooting at them with the laser cannons. Everybody's taking a ton of damage. It is not looking good. Um, Grievous orders fighters are released from the ship to engage the bombers, and then Anakin's bomber wing engages those fighters. These are the uh, vulture fighters again. Grievous has already stunned the medical ship's leaving, and so he turns the ship to fire on the dogfight, despite the fact that that means that he will inactivate all of his vulture fighters as well. The Y-Wings take evasive maneuvers to avoid the ion blast, which once again is like a, like a purple sphere of energy, but half of the squadron is either disabled or killed in the blast, and we lose matchstick, right? That's the one we mm-hmm. lose, right? Yeah, he goes up like a matchstick. I think that's probably why he was named that. Okay, they named him before he died. Yeah. Like that. But, yeah, the writers have forethought. Anakin makes... Anakin and the squad starts this run against the Malevolence, but they've obviously lost way too many fighters to be effective. Um, Anakin, in his stubborn ways, will not break off the attack. Ahsoka asks him to come up with a new plan, says they won't make it. Grievous turns the ship to target the medical station as a whole. I assume if you turn off power to a medical, like a hospital, bad things happen. Yeah. 
everybody on life support is basically gone. Yeah. But this is this is establishing the stakes for the battle, right? He's turning toward the medical station. You got to do something. Another Y-Wing is destroyed on this run. Ahsoka says Anakin will be the only one to make it because he's just the best pilot. And Plo Koon offers an alternative. If they target the weapon, if they cause enough damage, they may overload it. Anakin takes a long time to consider and then redirects the remaining ships to the starboard ion cannon. They fire and damage the cannon. As Grievous activates the ion cannon, it sort of blows up in their hand. I don't know a better way to put it. It, it doesn't fire. It, like, redirects the energy into the ship. Go. Yeah. I, I, um, this is used a lot in uh, sci-fi. And all I could, every time I see it, it's like, all I could think was, like, if it was me, it would not, like, I, I would have, like, damaged it, but not damaged it enough where it'll still fire. It'll, it'll just be, like, little slide whistles. Make a little slide whistle sound. It won't, it won't blow up. Like in Independence Day, they shoot the, um, they crash into the main weapon as it's, it was charging. Um, and well, I, I just said there was a bunch, but those that's the only other one I could think of at the, right at the moment. No, no, you're right though. It is, it is like the, it is like, like oh, like the most powerful piece is the vulnerable, is the most vulnerable part, right? It's like the. Independence Day is a wonderful example, um, because what the fuck from Christmas Christmas Vacation? Randy Quaid. Yeah, Randy Quaid. Like he he blows it up right by depending on which version of the movie you watch by either flying his biplane into it or flying his F fourteen into it. Uh, it was an F eighteen, and there is a version where he's flying his biplane. Yeah, yeah. There's a version where he's flying his crop duster. And he has got like a bomb strapped to the top. Um, that was the director. That might have been like a alternative like version of it. And you're right, it was an F-18 Hornet. Um, my bad. Gosh. I'll just put the entire Independence Day speech right here because this recording isn't long <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. Um, we can move on, right? <laughs> No, we're going to stick with like how badly you don't know your American f- fighter craft because I thought like I thought every little boy knew everything about every fighter plane. I mean, I did as a kid. Are you are you going to see the new Top Gun? Uh yes. <laughs> That's how I answered. <laughs> I mean, it seems like that they're dub- maybe doubling down on the homoerotic uh beach volleyball so i don't know i mean i just tom cruise is a bit of a kind of a weirdo but he brings it so uh i have a friend of a friend who is ex-military um very openly gay and he's going to the university of maryland to get a degree in nuclear physics um to be like a nuclear technician or whatever you can do with that degree um and he looks like val kilmer in top gun and he's uh, like bleach blonde hair and everything and we were drinking at our neighbor's house and i told him that i would be fat goose and he and i could play homoerotic um, volleyball together (laughs) (laughs) 
As long as I could be Fat Goose. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I kind of want to, but I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, so I'd much rather see Doctor Strange before Top Gun. Right. I'm I'm two or three Marvel movies behind, including Doctor Strange. So I agree. It would be like it would be like eating junk food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the type of thing that I would never convince the wife to go to, but maybe I could watch it on streaming one yeah, night. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, I'm. it's not going to be one of those movies where I think long and hard about what happened afterwards. I'll forget it. Um, it's just like the Transformers movies, except hopefully I'm not, like, pissed. Pissed, because, <laughs> like, like, driving home after, like, Transformers 3, I'm just like, because, like, I saw it in the IMAX with some friends. I was like, wow, that was awesome. So much stuff going on. And then on the drive home, I'm just like, I'm just like, wait a minute. Fuck you, Michael Bay. What the fuck were all those Decepticons doing? They could have helped them out two movies ago. I was like, oh, Christ. Okay. Should go back to. Yeah, we're getting off track. Oh, us? No, that never happens before. All right, so Groot fires the cannon and the blast is directed back in the ship, doing a lot of damage. Both primary weapons and the hyperdrive are damaged. And then just then, three Republic ships enter the system. This is Obi-Wan's fleet. Um, Anakin gives him the report and basically says, this is your problem now, I'm headed to the medical station. Obi-Wan attacks the malevolence and Grievous signals his retreat. Um, Plo Koon congratulates Anakin and Ahsoka asks for credit. Anakin and Ahsoka go to meet um, Nala Se. She thanks him, and he leaves to prepare for the remaining battle. We see Anakin in the hangar contemplating the losses he suffered. The end. We did it. Yeah. We made it. We barely talked about Top Gun at all. Um, did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I like the fact this that... Is... Go ahead. That I like it. Um... I, I had actually confused this one with another one, but, you know, like, Anakin kind of fucks up a little bit. I like the um, the fly, the um, the scenes with them flying kind of in the, the formation. I thought that was done really well. I think overall I, like, I liked it. it. It was not, like, my favorite, like, blew my mind, but it, it was not a terrible episode by any stretch of the imagination. So this is the middle of a three-episode arc um, for Malevolence, and the next one we'll get to is called Destroy Malevolence, I think. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll say that this is probably the weak, weaker of the three episodes, in my opinion. Um, not a whole lot happens other than a big battle, right? You have to mm-hmm. sort of, you know, like you start out with this invincible weapon, and then the middle chapter is, oh, it's not that invincible, right? We, we really broke it, and now they're limping away. And then the third act is, and then we blow it up. Some other stuff happens. Some cool, illogical stuff happens. But uh, that's that's the arc of it. And this one is, in my opinion, sort of the weaker of the three. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in it. There's wonderful camera, camera work in the nebula. I think the shots of them moving through the, the Nebre Mantis horde or herd or pod, whatever, is really, really beautiful. I think there's a ton of work when they're scanning sort of the surface of the malevolence. I think it's beautiful animation. 
and I was watching a documentary um, by Filoni where he's talking about like big models used in Clone Wars, and he said that this was one of the biggest. And they spent forever like getting it right, like texturing it, so they could have these long flybys on the skin, mm-hmm. and it looks gorgeous. Um, so overall, I think it's a good episode. It's just if I were to rank these episodes for this arc, it's pretty low. But overall, I liked it. Um, do you have any more commentary on yeah, the uh, quality? No, no, it's um, it it was fine. It's not um, it, it had its moments, but it wasn't like anything that just like knocked my socks off. Right. It's 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 good Star Wars in the sense that it's it shows a good battle. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's not a whole lot there. Um, I've got a lot of notes on the episode. Not a lot, but a few things. Um, in a previous episode, we talked a lot about nose cone art. Mm-hmm. In the background of one of the shots, the Salacious Crumb nose cone art is seen on a dropship. Did you notice that? Yes. Yes, I think I did. Yeah, and so this is this is actually made into a toy, and we actually have the toy um, in our house. And it's called it's called the Crumb Ship. <laughs> Um, it's, it's really cool, right? And it, it shows like the continuity that we talked about previously with the nose cone art that you went down an unfortunate rabbit hole and found some, um, bad fan, fan art of naked Ahsoka and things, but don't worry about that right now. No, it was the, it was the Rex in his underpants. There you go. Um, there's a, there's a new gonk droid that we're going to run into in an episode, I think in two weeks, maybe in three weeks. Um, it's called a plunk droid, but it's basically a gonk droid with four legs and like a gas pump on it. Um, and these are, these are fuel droids. Yeah. Is, is there every... a, is there a sticker of Joe Biden on the, on it saying I did that? Yeah, that's what it is. It's Joe Biden because the president controls the cost of oil um, not oil companies, <laughs> um, and not a bunch of bad Middle East actors. Um, the United States produces more oil than it consumes. I'll just put it there. Um, but yeah, so we're going to see these, these plunk droids in future episodes, but this is sort of the debut of it. Um, this is sort of a stupid poll, but I was doing a bunch of research and the animators intentionally made the chairs in the briefing, in the very beginning, where Plo Koon and Ahsoka and Anakin are describing the plan, they used the same chair model that was used in the Death Star conference room scene in A New Hope. Uh, yeah. I... And so you can see, like, they all have casters on them. Like, they're all, like, shitty office chairs. Yeah. I... And when the, when, the, when the clones stand up, they all, like, the, the chairs actually move in mildly random directions, and they're, like, askew. They're not in perfect rows anymore. <laughs> Sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, no. no I just find that. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Y-Wings for a second then. Um, so the the Y-Wing that I pointed out earlier, this is the Y-Wing with all of the plating on. So the appearance of the Y-Wing in this is the first canon appearance with the Y-Wing with all of the plating on. Um, this... This design was actually mildly controversial within Lucasfilm because there was a book from DK called The Complete Cross-Sections that had a fully built-out Y-Wing in it. But Filoni and the design team decided to change the design even further 
But you're right in your previous speculation that the Y-Wings we see in the future are stripped-down versions, because we actually see that happening in an episode of Rebels, where the um, Y-Wings are being destroyed, and Ezra and the Ghost Crew steal a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. They steal stripped-down Y-Wings that have had panels and cannons removed. And so, and so the versions that we see in like A New Hope are basically versions with fenders removed and hubcaps removed and radios removed and things like that. Anything of value on the Y-Wing has been removed, and then the Rebels re- like basically retrofit them. Um, and I really love that because this, is, this establishes what a Y-Wing should look like. And yeah, there's probably versions of it and variants of it and and things, but but this was this was Filoni putting his his foot down, saying like this is what a white wing is. And I put concept art at the end of the document of of how they were viewing the white wings um, being complete, quote unquote complete. And so you can see that they're completely plated and have a, a turret in them for a person to sit and a place for an astromech droid. Um, just a couple more things. I'm not going to belabor it because I assume we're really, really long. No, we're not that bad. All right. So the design of the malevolence, we talked about this a little bit before, but I did more research on it. And it was actually a communication ship um, for Revenge of the Sith. Um, And that big ion cannon disruptor thing on the side was actually like a satellite dish. Um, Filoni and the design team looked at it and decided that it didn't look Star Warsy enough. It was too it was too out of universe, and so they wanted to make it more like a Mon Calamari cruiser from Return, or more like the egg shaped um, transport from uh, the evacuation of Hoth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one of those in Kenobi. There is? Yep. It's at the very end. I missed that. I'll have to watch that again. Um, Kenobi is a show I'm going to watch ten times. <laughs> for sure. Um, so so the design team sort of made it more rounded and more... like it, They wanted it to look like a separatist ship, not like a Republic ship. But they took those design elements from that, from those ships and overlaid them onto onto um, the malevolence. And so it's sort of a confluence of all of those influences. I think it looks gorgeous, personally. It is intimidating, it is huge, it is fun, and we're going to spend one more week with it. I also love that, that these ships can take damage and keep going. Mm-hmm. There's too many war movies where someone gets shot and they die. There's not effort to say, like, oh, he's only shot in the foot. Don't worry about it. Getting shot in the foot hurts really really bad i don't doubt that but but there's a lot of war movies where someone gets shot in the foot and and that's it for them like they're dead and and this is the thing that the clone wars does right is that these ships get shot hundreds of times and they're like up like we're losing some hull plating and so you you don't you can if you build in that level of damage then you can get away with a lot which it's surprising, like, given to, like, where they, um, on, like, the humongous ships, like, where they, uh, where they will put the bridges. It's, like, in some extended area away from the ship where, like, if you can just destroy that, you'll, you'll cut off the bridge from the rest of the, uh, ship. 
Right, and that that comes back to bite them in the ass in return, where the A-wing crashes into the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. or the Star Destroyer, and it crashes into the Death Star, right? Mm-hmm. All right, a couple more things, uh, or really the last thing. So we talked about the fortune cookie at the beginning. All right, so the fortune cookie saying is, easy is the path to wisdom for those not blinded by ego. Do you think this is applicable to this episode? I do. Um, Very, um, it's about Anakin's, kind of his ego. Um, Like thinking that he knows the perfect route, the perfect shortcut to get... um, to get to the uh, the battle, and then he doesn't want he doesn't want to um, break off the attack, even though it's it's not uh, it's obviously not going to work. Um, so yeah, that and because of his kind of um, he, he lost a, a bunch of um, a bunch of pilots uh, because of that, and. If, if he would just stop and think, he could have, he might have come up with that um, solution on his own without Plo Koon um, being the one that said it. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I think this more than almost any of them. There's a, a very easy, um, very easy connection for for the plot to the moral. Anakin's ego obviously is a problem throughout the series. Um, throughout his entire character arc. This is a very good example of him sort of checking his ego in a, in a rare way. Um, and Plo Koon is there, and he seems to respect Plo Koon, and Ahsoka is there, and she's pressuring him to do it. But he he think, he's super competent, and he has these superpowers, and he thinks everyone can follow him, and that's not the case. And he pulls back and alters the plan. So yeah, I think it's I think it's perfect for this particular episode. I've got no other notes really. Um, so if you want to go to rating, we can go to rating. All right. So now's the time in our show when we rate an episode. Our rating system is simple. We use characters from Star Wars. So a really great episode would be a Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewbacca, etc. And a really bad episode would be like I don't know. Um, I guess Bill Organa's uh, brother-in-law. That that cousin's a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. So um, he so he then because like Bill Organa's trying to talk about serious stuff and he's just like, I don't care. I'm here to eat your food. <sighs> yeah, got more Tonneray. <laughs> hey. All right, so Matt, what do you uh, what do you give this one? I might have used him before, but I don't track these well. Um, I'm going to give this a, a Ularen. Ularen? Okay. Yeah, he's he's a reoccurring character that goes all the way up through books like Catalyst and the movie um, A New Hope or Star Wars or Episode Four or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a good solid episode and it's part of a greater story so its shortcomings can be forgiven but there's a lot here to like um a lot here to criticize but a lot here to like you learn mm-hmm. well shoot now i'm you got me thinking that maybe i should maybe i was going to be too harsh on harsh Go for on it. it um <laughs> well i was going to give it a 
Kiari uh, Mundi, just because it's like it's kind of cool but forgettable. Um, he was like my least favorite Jedi. Um, He's the only Jedi that was canonically allowed to fuck. <laughs> Did, yeah, didn't he have to go back? Was it something to help his species? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He had to have like ten wives. <laughs> You're gonna feel the force inside of you. <laughs> oh, um, that's a bad joke. <laughs> the thirteen year old, the thirteen year old in me thought that that was funny. <sighs> yeah. So, All right. are you gonna stick with Kaidamini? Yeah, I'm gonna. St- I'll stick with him. We'll let the fate decide. Huh? I just happen to have a chance cube here. Blue, it's the boy. Red, his mother. All right. Um, so the last thing we do after the rating is we roll our d20, um, which is sort of a random number generator for us that determines what we um, review next. So if I roll a one, we will review an Ewoks episode from the 1985-1986 series Ewoks, which you told me today is in Stranger Things. Yep. The theme song is Stranger Things uh, Season 3, which I have not gotten to yet. Is it Season 4? Jesus. Who the fuck are you? You're not up to date on all your your cultural, pop cultural things? my, My toxic nostalgia 80s show. Yeah. Um, and that tells us the 80s were awesome. <laughs> That's not how I remember them. <laughs> um, so if I roll, roll a one, we review an Ewoks episode from 1985-1986 series of Ewoks. If I roll any other number, we, we review the next episode in Clone Wars um, in-universe canon order, which is called Destroy Malevolence. Destroy Malevolence, which is season one, episode four, I think. Are you ready for the roll? Do it. All right, I'm filming it so I can put it on Twitter. Oh, so close. I rolled a three. But a three means that we continue with Clone Wars. So next episode is Destroy Malevolence. All right, you want to take us out? Okay. All right, well, uh, thanks for uh, listening. We're glad uh, anybody's listening. Be sure to uh, tell a friend if you if you liked us. We don't uh, put any real money into this. So word of mouth is really how um, how we get listeners. And um, you know what? If you didn't like the show, well, why don't you go tell somebody you hate about it? Because it helps us out. Maybe we'll get better. And it wastes somebody you hate's time. All right, so we'll be back again next week, hopefully, with Destroy Malevolence. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, 
Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at moochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da